if you would, just take your Bibles, get them ready. Uh, we're going to turn in just a moment to the book of Genesis, chapter 24. <clears throat> we're going to be moving around uh, in Scripture today quite a bit. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started a series called It's Time. It's Time. And the first message we dealt with, we encouraged you, and I was encouraged to see those that uh, we weren't sure where they stood with the Lord, but they were here to hear that it's time for salvation. Uh, and I believe with all my heart <clears throat> that the Bible is so clear that today is the day of salvation. Uh, and so, but today I want to just share a message entitled, It's Time to Worship. Uh, a couple other messages that are kind of rolling around in my heart and my mind had actually intended to uh, preach on it's time to be holy, but I want to preserve that for another day and just really felt I had no idea Cindy was going to sing the song that she sang. It just fits so well with where I want to go with this message. Uh, and just by way of introduction, we worship has become uh, and is one of the most powerful and important parts of our service. It is literally foundational, one of the foundational elements to uh, our meeting together on a regular basis. We begin with praise and worship. It is a moment and a time where we can invite the presence of the Lord and we can let the Lord know. I know that God is everywhere present, but we can let Him know that we are, we're opening our hearts to Him, that we desire Him to touch us uh, in that moment. And I realize that there are different worship experiences, there are different traditions, there are different ways that people go about it. Probably the way that we did it today, there are churches that would just be um, <clears throat> worried about what would happen, what, what wouldn't happen. Um, I, you know, we've, we've often repeated this little saying, somebody once said, you know, why do you praise God so loud? He's not deaf. And somebody replied, yes, but he's not nervous either. And so... Um, there are a number of different ways that the Scripture tells us that we can praise and worship the Lord. Uh, we, we do this to exalt Him and invite Him into our midst and to minister to us. And yet, as important as we believe worship is, what we see as an example of our quote-unquote modern-day worship is sometimes reduced to literally a mere show rather than an expression of a heart toward God. Worship is, and, and we might ask, well, what does it really mean to worship? Is it lifting our voices to the Lord and, you know, repeating a few select phrases that we've learned, maybe some things that we've picked up out of reading the Psalms or out of other places in Scripture? Is it clapping our hands and lifting our hands to the Lord in other churches uh, you know, there, there tends to be swinging from chandeliers and dancing and all kinds of things. What about all of those things? Is that really what we're talking about? Is it singing songs that glorify the Lord? And I want to say that, that it's all of those things, that we can, that there's room, that there's space for all of that. But if we reduce it to that alone, we have reduced worship from what Scripture really shows us it really is. We have reduced it to something that is a mere outward expression. I'm all for the outward expression. You have to understand when we sing, when I lead or somebody else leads, it is that we would all join in, that we would be participators and not spectators. But 
when we worship the Lord, it is infinitely more than just some outward expression of lifting the hand or clapping our hands or vocalizing our praise through a song or just spontaneously as we sense the presence of the Lord. It is something greater than that. And I want to submit to you today that all of those things are good, but I believe that God shows us in Scripture that worship is, is more than that. And I'd like us to go into the book of Genesis. We could go all the way back to the very beginning of Genesis to find that very first act of worship. But we're going to go a little further. Genesis chapter 24. And I want you to go there. And I want to deal with three areas today that I believe will help us to recognize that it's time to worship. I want to talk to you today about the posture of worship the perseverance of worship, and then finally, the power of worship. The posture of worship is vitally important. You say, but pastor, we stand when we worship. It not, has nothing to do with physical posture. Uh, we're going to see in Scripture in the Old Testament that sometimes it did have to do with that, but both the Old, uh, the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the, the word that is used for worship, and then also in the New Testament, the Greek word that is used for worship, there is something important about all of that, and it is this, that both words have, an, have the idea associated with them of bowing low, of that of Literally, quite literally, prostrating yourself. Now, we stand. We don't, we don't lay prostrate to worship. We don't necessarily bow on our knees to worship the Lord. We stand to our feet. We pray. Sometimes you sit. Sometimes you do other things. That has nothing to do with it, though we see that oftentimes the show of true adoration and worship in both the Old Testament and even in the New Testament is the idea of getting low. And this is where I want to take us today because I believe the posture of worship for all of us today in this New Testament age that we live in is that of getting low before the Lord. I'm not talking about physically, but I'm talking about our hearts. That in our hearts we would learn that we are, in the light of who He is, so small, so insignificant, and yet in the light of who he says we are, we are great. And he says we are significant. I believe with all my heart that when we approach the time of worship, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, that we allow our hearts to get low before the Lord. And we say, God, I am going to bow before you. In the book of Genesis chapter 24, Abraham had sent his servant, Eliezer, out to find a wife for his son Isaac. And Eliezer was instructed to go to a particular place, go to his household in his homeland. Uh, and he was very specific. Don't send Isaac there because Isaac will never come back. He said, don't take him with you. I want you to go. I want you to find a wife. Not exactly the way I would think a wife should be found for me. I found the wife. Not somebody else. I'm not interested in who somebody else thinks and what somebody else thinks. But this was Eliezer's task. It was his job to go there. But I want you to notice what happens when he happens to just come upon his master's household. Now, we don't know that Eliezer made the trip with Abraham from his homeland 
or not. We don't really know that he was with his household when he came out of the land to go to a place that God would show him. But he was instructed to go there. He was obedient to the the plan of his master Abraham. And ultimately it was the plan of God and what God desired for Isaac. And the Bible says this in Genesis 24 and verse 26 when he realized that he had now come in contact with Abraham's household. The Bible says this, then the man bowed low. I want you to see that. And worshipped the Lord. Then the man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. I think and I believe with all my heart that as good as worship experiences can be, as good as worship services can be, it might be that you've attended a concert, you have heard an album, you have heard somebody sing and you have, you have latched on to this particular thing and we've got an album that we play constantly and the kids are like, again, we can hear it again. But we've, we've just come across something new that just blesses us and so we play it over and over and over again. That this worship experience is more than wonderful music. That worship is more than, than us joining together and singing together on a Sunday morning or on a Tuesday night. It is more than us just sort of taking a moment out of a week and saying, Lord, now I'm going to dedicate myself to worshiping you. But it seems from Scripture that those who were there quite literally in the Old Testament recognized that worshiping the Lord was an act that they would perform as they bowed low before the Lord. I want to say today that I believe with all my heart we have to bow low in our hearts. Not suggesting we have a new posture of worship. We'll, we'll continue to stand. But I'm saying the posture of our heart should be that which reaches out to the Lord and says, God, I am coming before you. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are holy. You are perfect. You are all-knowing. There is nothing about you that is wrong or sinful. You are absolutely perfect. And Lord, you are faithful. You are, you are, your word is true. I can trust in you. And brothers and sisters, as a result of that, we have to recognize how imperfect we are. And as we bow low in the presence of the King of Kings, the Bible lets us know that He will manifest His presence in our midst. But it has to be a heart thing. It can't be the outward expression. Look, there are a lot of churches today that are going through the outward expression of worship, but very little is happening in the hearts of the people. I'm not interested in whether or not you and I are on the same page with what kind of songs we sing, with what kind of, of music is played, with how you know we grab onto this song or that song. That's not really important, folks. We have begun to focus more on the externals and less on the heart. Worship has to be from the heart, and it has to be that we bow low in our hearts before the Lord. Turn over to Genesis 47, the book of Genesis 47. The Bible indicates this, 47 and verse 31. Here it was that Jacob, also known as Israel, is at the end of his life. He's blessing each and every one of his sons. He is going on down the line and he gets to Joseph and ends up blessing the sons of Joseph. They would eventually, though they were born in Egypt, they would eventually become part of the tribes of Israel. 
But the Bible tells us, and of course he's telling now Joseph, he's saying to Joseph, I want you to swear to me that when I die, you will take my bones up from here, my body up from here, and you'll bury it in the land that we came from, in the land of Canaan. He says to, in verse 31, Genesis 47 and verse 31, swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him. Look at what this, this man, this old man who knows that he's dying, he does. Now his posture is different because the Bible says this, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. He could barely get out of bed. And yet he's leaning on his staff, but the Bible says he worshipped, which indicates he couldn't physically bow low. But he still worshipped because he was able to bow low in his heart. The Bible says that even in his old age, with his strength waning, so difficult, he had such a hard time. He was blind at this point, couldn't see. He was just, he was, he was so close to dying, but in the middle of what he was going through, the Bible says that he worshiped. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God calls us to worship no matter what the situation is. No matter where we are, he calls us to bow low before him and to worship. It's more than coming to church. If worship is, is simply uh, encompassed in just church, then we have missed the point of what worship is in our daily lives and how it is that God desires us to bow low and to get low before Him. You say, but I don't know. You know, I've really got, I don't have much to praise God for. I, you know, I've, I've been going through such great difficulty. I was encouraged by Cindy's testimony about how it was. And I, I, I remember when they were going through this horrible experience, difficult, the economy had just collapsed and Lee fell victim to it. And there were so many who were in the same boat. And yet through all of that, you worship and you praise and God begins to do something. It seems like God didn't act quickly enough, but God did show up. God God met them and helped them every step of the way. When you worship the Lord, when you bow low before the Lord, no matter how bad the situation is, God will show up on your behalf. There is another man, we're not going to take the time to read it, another man in the Old Testament who dates back probably around the time of Abraham, if not before. His name was Job. Job was somebody, we know Job's story. We talk about it often. It's one of those horrible nightmares that you hope never happens to anybody. But it happened to Job. Job, in one fell swoop, in one day, lost his wealth and his entire family, except for he and his wife. They were wiped out. And the Bible tells us toward the end of, of Job that as the report came about uh, a, a raiding army and about, and about others who, and about the, the house that had collapsed on his children. The Bible tells us that he tore his robes, but then the Bible also says that he fell down and he worshiped. I can't imagine today going through even a fraction of what Job went through. And yet in the middle of all of that, the Bible lets us know that his posture was one of bowing low before the Lord and worshiping God. I, I don't understand. People sometimes say, well, you know, I, I'm mad at God. I don't know why you could be mad at God. 
God is the one who's going to see you through the dark moments and the times in your lives where you don't know what to do. The important thing is, is to get low before him. This has to be the posture of our heart when we worship God. No matter how bad, no matter how worrisome, no matter how difficult the situation is, we have got to learn to worship. And it's got to be when the music stops. When the playing stops, when the singing stops, when the, 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 you know, the, the radio is turned off, when all of the, the distractions are turned off and you're in the middle of life and you're in the middle of the week and you're at your job and you're wondering what's going to happen. Maybe things are a little bit tenuous there and you're not sure whether you're going to have a job next week or you're not sure what's going to happen down the road. All of a sudden there has to be that which comes upon us that says in the middle of all of this, Lord, I'm going to get low before you and I'm going to worship you. Because you are worthy to be praised. That is the posture of worship. We see it also in the New Testament. There are, we could talk about the, the original language. I don't want to get into that too much. But I believe also in, in the New Testament, we see that the idea of bowing low before the Lord. It is just, brothers and sisters, we have to, we have to know that God desires for each and every one of us to be humble in his presence. To recognize that when we come into a, an experience of worship, you know, I, I know we get hung up and we get worried about uh, and concerned about whether or not we're doing the latest music. Well, you know, here we, we, we've sort of been stuck in a rut, but we've, we're, we're trying, we're pushing, slowly we're pushing. But you know what? It has to be more than just, whatever. what's that new song? It's so great, it's so catchy, it's so wonderful, and it, it just, oh, it makes me feel good on the inside. You know what? Worship is more than you feeling good. Worship is more than that. It's got to be that we, we get low in the presence of God and realize that when the music stops, he's still worthy to receive worship from my heart that when all of this ends when all of the music is put aside he is still worthy for it to come from my heart I want to talk to you about the perseverance of worship we could also talk about Job in this but I've already mentioned him so I want you to go now to the book of 2nd Chronicles 20 we have to talk about Jehoshaphat 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 and in this particular passage, I'm not going to take the time to read all of it, but this is a familiar passage of Scripture, and I, I have preached on it, I have touched on it uh, at different times because it's such a perfect example of what it is that we need to do in the face of trouble and when it is that the enemy would like to try to stop us, he would like to try to just you know close our mouths and shut our mouths and shut our hearts and make us begin to think that somehow God's not going to show up. You know, that God is not really interested in our trouble and our difficulty. And yet Jehoshaphat was one of those kings who did right in the, the sight of the Lord. He's one of the few in the Old Testament in the line of kings that would come. He was of the house of David. And he was one of the few that tore down idols, that instituted worship, that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And in all of that, chapter 20... Three armies get together and come to threaten the land. And they come to threaten King Jehoshaphat. And the Bible lets us know that Jehoshaphat got all the people of Israel, all the people of Judah together. And there they worship God, they praise God, but they lifted their voices to God. And he did and he prayed. He said, God, what are we going to do? I have no idea what to do on this particular day. But I want you to go down into verse, let's jump down to... Uh, verse 16. 
Now let's go further than that. Let's move on down to verse 18. The Bible says this, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. I want you to notice that. The leader did it first and then the people followed. There was an important element in this in which they recognized the leader is worshiping, let me follow along with that and let me worship the Lord. But then the Bible says this, then some of the Levites and the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I want you to see when they're doing this. This is a moment in time where the battle has not started. The army is threatening. The enemy is threatening. And yet in the middle of all of that, they are persevering in praise and in worship. They are, they are going after God. They're saying, God, you are still worthy of the worship and the praise that I'm going to give to you today. No matter what the outcome is, God, I'm still going to praise you. It's like the three Hebrew boys. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to answer you in this, but I want you to know that even if God does not deliver us, we will not bow to the idols of the world. We're not going to worship your idol. We are going to worship the God of heaven. The Bible says this, Verse 20, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head at the head of the army. Not behind the army. They didn't stand behind because they didn't have swords and shields. They went out ahead of the guys with the weapons. And the Bible says, they said, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Verse 22, I want you to see what happens. What is the result of persevering in praise? As they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. But you see, they praised and they worshipped at a time where it seemed difficult to persevere. When things were going wrong. When nothing was right. When it seemed as though all hope was lost. The Bible lets us know that they still praised. They still worshipped. They still got that posture of worship. And they persevered in the face of their trouble and their difficulty. Can I encourage you today? That it's important for all of us to persevere in praise. It's easy. Listen, it's easy when there are people around us. And everybody's praising and the music has started and everything is going wrong, going right in that moment. But when we get into our week and all of a sudden things begin to turn upside down and we don't really understand what the outcome is going to be, can I encourage you in the midst of it all, begin to praise Him, begin to worship Him and say, God, in the middle of my trouble, I'm going to persevere in praise and in worship. I will persevere because it's time to worship. It's time to worship. Go over into the New Testament, if you would. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. 
and verse 25. Just to give you a little bit of background of what's going on. Paul and Silas had gone into the city of Philippi. And they had been met with incredible resistance by the people. Uh, They were uh, taken, they were dragged away from their their public gathering, their, their time of preaching the gospel. And they had been taken away and put in prison. They had been bound in stocks and in chains and put in the very heart of the prison, a prison not like what we understand prisons to be here now. This was a dark place. There was no light. There was nothing. It was just dark and dank and just terrible, a horrible place to have to be. And Paul and Silas are put there because they obeyed God. They preached the gospel. Paul went into the city of Philippi and began to preach. Incidentally, I want you to know that the book of Philippians is written to a group of believers who out of that experience, uh, a church was born and the Philippians became an incredible encouragement to Paul in his later ministry. But Paul and Silas are now finding themselves in the middle of a prison and they're finding themselves being persecuted for their faith, something Paul was not unfamiliar with and something that Paul had actually participated in before he came to Christ. He knew the drill. He knew what was happening. But there in the middle of it all, you might begin to think, well, you know what, I'm the Apostle Paul. I I shouldn't have to deal with this now. You know, I, I think I've earned, Lord, a little bit of protection. I think I've earned the situation where I can say, Lord, please, just, you know, put your angels around me and nobody can get near me. It didn't happen with Paul. You'd have to read the the list of things he went through. But now both Paul and Silas find themselves there. And you might think, well, you know, they're going to just wait and hopefully somebody is going to come and they're going to get them out. And they're going to, you know, maybe rescue them in some way. But God had a different plan. He put it in Paul and Silas's heart to begin to do something in the middle of their their situation that they were no longer in control of. They could still control this one thing. The Bible says this in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It's an amazing thing. I, I mentioned this last week. We talk about how prayer was removed from the schools and churches usually are up in arms and we still talk about it like it was such an egregious act of the government. And yet I want to tell you they can take prayer collectively out of the schools, but they can never take it out of the heart of that student walking in the hallway. That student is free to lift their voice to the Lord and call upon God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, it was the same thing with Paul and Silas. They were sitting there with wounds. They had been beaten. They had been whipped. And now they're in the middle of a prison. And what do they do? They persevere in worship. They persevere in their situation and they begin to sing. The Bible says praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Right there in the middle of this Philippian jail, now Paul and Silas are having a worship service. They don't have any musicians. They don't have anybody around them. But instead, they're praising and they're worshiping God. They're singing. I don't know how well they could sing 
We don't really know. It doesn't really matter. But the Bible lets us know that all of a sudden an earthquake happened. And those, that jail began to shake. And the, the chains came loose. And the doors swung open. And all of a sudden now the jailer thinks, I'm history. This is it. I might as well end my life now because if not, the Nero's going to do it for me a little bit later on. So just as he's about ready to plunge that sword into his body, Paul says, no, don't. We're all here. And that jailer comes to Christ. It's an amazing thing. What can happen when you begin to persevere in worship and persevere in praise in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your dark hour. There is a God in heaven who knows how to shake loose your situation in the middle of all of that as we say, God, I'm going to persevere in worship and in praise. That is the perseverance of worship. I want to tell you today, get low. Get low in your heart and persevere in your situation. God knows what you're going through today. You may think that nobody understands or nobody can comprehend it, but I want you to know there is a God in heaven who made you. He made you in His image. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He knows what you're going through. He knows your address. He hasn't bailed out on you. He hasn't left you. The Bible tells us that He will never leave us or forsake us. He's always there with us. And God strengthens our hand by letting us know that you can persevere in worship because there is a God in heaven who hears you and knows you and understands what you're going through. Finally, I want to deal with the power of worship as we recognize that it's time to worship and we get our hearts in that right posture of worship of getting low before the Lord and we persevere in the midst of it all there is a great power that comes out of all of that and it comes out of the knowledge of the sacrifice that we make to the Lord I want you to see something go back we're going to go to two different places actually go back into the Old Testament go back to the book of Genesis chapter 22 Go to Genesis 22, and I want you to see that in the face of sacrifice, worship took place. In the face of something that Abraham didn't quite comprehend or understand, he still worshiped. And there is an incredible power that comes out of our, our praising and worshiping, and sometimes it may even be a sacrifice for you to do, to do so. The Bible says in the New Testament, the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to Him. Brothers and sisters, we have got to learn as we go along that in the midst of what we're going through and dealing with, that as we praise Him and worship Him, as we worship Him, it may be a sacrifice to do so, but there's a great power that comes out of it. The Bible says this in Genesis 22. This was when Abraham was taking Isaac, his only son, as God had instructed him to, to offer him as a sacrifice. He said to, the, to his servants in verse 5, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I find that amazing that he would make that statement. 
But the Bible tells us and gives us a little insight in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 how it was that Abraham was able to make such a statement here and now. He didn't fully comprehend what was going on. He didn't fully understand how everything was going to happen. And even in the book of Romans, the Bible indicates that Abraham believed that God was able to raise his son Isaac from the dead. Even if he had to go through with what it was that God was instructing him to do, the Bible lets us know and he tells his servants, we are going to go over there and we will worship. Brothers and sisters, he knew the sacrifice that was going to happen and yet he was still able to say, I'm going to worship God. Go to Romans chapter 12. Let's just quickly go there. Romans 12, because there is a parallel here in the New Testament that we see with our own bodies, with our own lives. Now in the New Testament, God is not interested in dead sacrifices. He is interested in living sacrifices. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship or some translations say service this is your spiritual act of worship to offer your bodies as living sacrifices you know what that means that means that when you walk out these doors you are to be a living praise and a living sacrifice for the Lord to worship him to glorify him to lift him up in a world that so desperately needs to know the love of Christ we have come to a place where we have to say Lord I'm going to sacrifice myself to worship you to glorify you and to serve you in the day that we are living in brothers and sisters we talked about service already last week and how important it is and that it's time to serve but this is also goes hand in hand with worship that as we worship him we are to serve him with our very lives The power of worship comes out of the knowledge that we have to sacrifice ourselves to Him, to be used by Him. But you know what? We also have to remember this. The power of worship comes when we remember that it's all about Him. It's all about Him. Worship, the the fact that we walk out of a service feeling lifted, feeling as if maybe sometimes you're walking on clouds. You, you, the fact that you walk up, that is a byproduct of focusing our attention on the Lord and saying, Lord, this is all about you. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And the Bible says this in verse 28. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, which is an element of worship and praise. And listen to this. And so worship God acceptably. Well, how do we worship him acceptably? The writer tells us right here. With reverence and awe. Worshiping him with reverence and awe. When we come into our services, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember, and if we can somehow put this out there in front of us, that we will always remember that when we come into a meeting, that it's all about Him. That it's not about us. 
that it's all about him. You say, Pastor, well, you know, we sang a song this morning that they were singing in the 70s. Yes, I recognize that. I know that. But you know what? It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about him. And if we can still sing, we bring the sacrifice of praise and still lift our hearts to the Lord and get a posture that is low before the Lord. I want you to know that we will be worshiping in reverence and awe. We will be worshiping him in a way that says, Lord, this is all about you. This isn't about me. Listen, we've got to come to an understanding here that says God is in this place and he is always worthy to receive our praise and our worship. And I believe that as we get our hearts in tune with him, that we can remember, Lord, that it's all about you. You're our great God. We can focus on all of his attributes and all of those things that make God God and say, God, I'm going to worship you for who you are. I worship you for who you are. Remember that it's all about him. And the Bible also tells us, and this is the last scripture I want to share with you, that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He said, I've got to go through Samaria. And of course, at that time, no one who was Jewish had to go through Samaria. They went around Samaria. They didn't go through it. They went around it. They avoided it. There was racial conflict. Uh, at that time, there was... There was religious conflict. There was just uh, the conflict with, with those who lived in Samaria. But Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria. Because my business exceeds or, or, or supersedes all of the nonsense of humanity and all of the, the, the things that we worry about and focus on in this life. I, I go above all of that. I go above all the racial, racial issues of our day. I go over all of that. And he said, I've got to go through Samaria because I know there's somebody there I've got to talk to. But in their discussion, this woman brings up about the fact that she says, you know, you Jews say that you've got to worship in Jerusalem. You've got to worship on the mountain. We, we Samaritans say we've got to worship on this mountain. And what do you say about all of that? And Jesus says this. The Bible says this. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He says, I'm not limiting this to a geographical location. In fact, location has nothing to do with it. Location is not the issue. What is the issue is, what is the condition of your heart? He says, God is a spirit. He is spirit. And therefore, we've got to worship him in such a way that would show that we, are, we love him, we are in tune with him, and that we are going to magnify him, that our hearts are engaged. And brothers and sisters, in our worship and in our praise time, we've got to engage our hearts. It's got to be more than just somehow what songs are being sung. And, you know, sometimes we latch on to one or the other, and we say, well, that's my favorite one. Now I can really praise God. How about God? You're my favorite God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to say it that way, but God, you are God. You are God. And because of that, I'm going to worship you today. Oh, that song is being sung great. That one I don't like so much, so I can't worship. Oh, don't, don't get caught up in that, please, because that you're, you're reducing worship to something that it is not. Brothers and sisters, worship is infinitely more. We've got to worship in spirit and in truth. We worship not because we gain something from the experience, but because he is worthy to receive from us. There is no greater way to approach God than with a heart bowed low 
saying to him, Lord, you are worthy because of who you are and because of all you've done. Listen, I recognize today that some of you maybe came into the building and you're going through a great difficulty in your life. You're going through struggles. But in the midst of all of that, he is worthy. In the midst of your trouble and your pain and your sorrow and your, your whatever it is that you're dealing with today, you need to know that God is absolutely worthy. Can we stand to our feet right now?